Welcome to Wandering Minds, our podcast for our parish, Good Shepherd with St Peter's. This is the second in our new podcast series. We've been looking at different aspects of spirituality. We've been doing that on Sundays as part of our Zoom service and we're continuing that conversation in the week as part of this podcast. Last week we thought about worship and this week we're thinking about silence. And I'm joined once again by my marvellous guest, Dr Nick Shepherd, here by virtue, as I said last time, not of his marvellous intellect, but because we live together as husband and wife, I hasten to add. We can, we can have a bubble now, so we could have another guest. That's true. Uh, if you'd like to guest on this new <laughs> podcast, please do let us know. And, and of course, the dog, Piper, is also with us. So uh, we wait to see her contribution later. So silence. Nick, a lot of people have said during the lockdown that they've really enjoyed the silence. Is that something that you noticed? I think... It was very apparent, I was sitting in the garden, when we had lovely weather, and we're very fortunate to have a garden, and I was sitting reading, and I thought I had tinnitus, tinnitus, how do you say it, tinnitus? I don't know. I thought I had a buzzing in my ear. Yeah. And I was looking around thinking, what's that buzzing, what's that buzzing? And I noticed that it was bees um, going for the blossom on the tree. And the years I'd sat in that spot in the garden, I'd never heard them. And I think then I just sat and listened to the buzzings. It wasn't total silence, but I noticed the quiet. And, yeah, it's been very refreshing. Yeah. I thought you were just lazing in the hammock, but it transpires you were having a spiritual experience. Yeah, well, the two can be combined. That's beautiful. Um, I've uh, I've enjoyed early morning walks with the dog, and particularly when there are very few people out. Just the sense, I think for me, the space that comes with quiet as well. And it's been quiet at home whilst you've been doing that, which is a bonus. Thanks, yeah. So silence. Um, At the moment in our wider culture, you hear loads of people talking about something like mindfulness, for example, and particularly in the last few months where there's a lot of anxiety around, and so mindfulness is um, something that's offered as a, a coping strategy. But actually, mindfulness really is the practice of silence and of stillness. Um, and that's something that, for me, I, I think is part of our Christian heritage and our Christian tradition. Absolutely. I mean, I think that you can look at all religions and see that an aspect of meditation, quieting, stillness is at the heart of practices. And I think yeah. it's partly the common thread of, of, of identifying that you are engaging or we are engaging with uh, someone, we would say, in the Christian tradition other than us, outside of us, greater than us. And so stillness is a posture towards that engagement. And that's deep in the Christian tradition. What when you say stillness is a posture, I mean it's oh, it stop sounds, using those words. It yeah, sounds yeah. it sounds very poncy. What what does that mean? So it's 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 an attitude and it's also a way of getting yourself in a space where you are ready to engage in a different kind of way to go to God. So if you're going to play golf and you're going to do a golf shot, you will adopt a posture okay. to kind of get ready to make the shot. And the way in which you set yourself up will affect the way that the shot goes. Okay, so silence is signalling intent to God. Yeah, and putting yourself in a space where you're going to yeah. literally follow through yeah. on that intent. I think as well I would add that I, I think we're made for a relationship with God. And so God 
wants to invite us into encounter with him or just encounter maybe even sounds a bit grandiose i think god wants to spend time with us he wants to be with us be in our company as much as we want to be in his presence so i think there's something for me in silence that it's it's the intent that we signal but it's also a recognition that god invites and he invites us into you might even say an intimate encounter as well just that time where we are entwined with him but it's interesting that you can look back through the christian tradition and see that silence and stillness has always had an important part to play that you know we might maybe miss in our modern world but even back then you know thousands of years ago it was required to be attentive towards being still so you can look at psalm 46 mm-hmm. saying be still and know that i am god so the command there to quieten ourselves down to put ourselves in a space of resting from our the thoughts that go around in our heads and the distractions outside of us to be still and just dwell on our connection to God and our dependency on God and what sometimes the oldest book in the Bible people think Job might have been the oldest kind of story in the Bible yeah there's an interesting thing in there about how there's a lot of talk Job's got these friends that come around and talk at him about all the stuff that's going on and the story ends up with Job actually being silent before God, not being able to do anything, not being able to speak. Mm. And the foolishness of all that chatter is kind of put against the silence. So way back in the Old Testament, silence was something that the Jewish people were encouraged to have at the heart of their spirituality. So I think it's not just a mod- it's, it's not a modern thing, it goes way, way back to yeah. our tradition. So maybe something there for us about reclaiming our heritage as Christians and perhaps exploring something that may be an underused um, part of our spirituality. So when we were talking about silence a few days ago in preparation for this conversation today, you said something to me about the importance of choosing silence. And I really liked that. And I wondered if you'd say something more about that now. Well, I think that there is, there is a way of thinking about silence as being problematic. So if you're forced to be quiet, not give your opinion, um, it can sound like uh, you're being repressed or constricted. Silenced. Silenced would be the, you know. Yeah. And so I think in our cultural context, being silenced is maybe seen as a negative. Absolutely. Um, that, and, and, and it is in some respects. But so I think the attitude of silence that we're talking about in in Christian spirituality is one of choosing to deliberately quieten yourself so that we can become more aware of what God might be saying. Yeah. So it's an active choice to be silent, to be quiet, to be still. And it's interesting that through the Christian tradition, people have, you know, crazy people have done that to extremes like hermits and the desert fathers and mothers going off and mm. days of silence as a kind of real kind of crazy example of that. But all the way through Christian spirituality, we're encouraged to have quiet times, take mm-hmm. points of silence, stillness, but it's an invitation that we take up rather than something that's forced on us. And I just think that's important to, to know. We're not being told to be quiet. Yeah. We're being invited to be still. Yeah, no, I think that's, I, I find that really helpful. There's something there about we, yeah, as you say, we, we choose that. We choose to put ourselves in that position. You also just then used the word active in the context of silence. Now, I think that's quite interesting because there are many activists that we know, especially in our church, and 
I think for activists, the notion of silence and stillness seems quite difficult because it's almost pointless somehow or a waste of time because you're sort of sitting there doing nothing. So convince me that silence is something active rather than something passive. Well, it'll depend on... I think that's really important. I think there are act, action and taking action is an important part of our faith. So it's either speaking out on issues or it's being practically engaged with serving and loving others. Yeah. And I think that it's you either see silence as a way of engaging with another side of yourself so that you're mm-hmm. you know you're 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 tapping into all of the different ways of engaging with God. So if you're an activist, you kind of balance that with moments of of of, of quiet. And it might be that you can then reflect on some of the actions that you're taking and God might nudge you to think, oh, actually, maybe what I'm seeking to do here is not quite right. Maybe I should think and do something else. So action and reflection is, again, something that's really, really they useful. Come they come together. and You can't do either. You can't do either. Yeah. But similarly, um, why isn't quietness action? So so we believe in, in, in God being the source of transformation in our world yeah so taking time to be quiet to pray and to reflect and to engage with god is action so there's um there's an expectancy in silence which is in this space that we offer to god we expect god to do something yeah yeah Yeah. that's really interesting i've had experiences in the past um of being in a counseling type conversation uh on both sides of the uh, of, of the room as it were um where a silence is left and it feels really uncomfortable but what happens is then when you leave that long silence is actually somehow somebody then feels prompted to speak and often the conversations that happen after that really long pause can be quite significant so I think that idea of expectant silence really resonates for me because I have seen it and experienced it both as the listener and the speaker um, so I, I like that and, and you you were talking the other day about God speaking as well the, you know the, the Bible story of and the beginning beginning of the Bible being God speaking in silence yeah so I so it just got me wondering about the relationship between silence and God speaking or us becoming aware of what God's saying, maybe a better description. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, you mentioned counselling, but I would use the example of coaching. So anybody who's done any work coaching yeah. or any form of coaching in terms of training, often what a coach will do is ask you a question. You know, what do you feel about that? Or what should your next step be? And then they'll hold a silence. And in that moment, your brain is doing a lot of work. Um, but the kind of coach holds you in that silence to make you go through the process of working out your next step, where sometimes you might jump to an action without kind of considering all the possibilities, or, or sometimes you might just kind of avoid the action because it's too it's too hard. And in that moment of silence, you're confronted with both the awareness of what you think you ought to do and the opportunity to make a decision to do it. And I think for us in prayer... And time with God, times of silence really help us with that in our discipleship and in our life of faith. We become aware of the things that we want to change or engage with. And we are then given a choice to when this moment of silence ends, what am I going to do? Yeah. So silence could be quite a useful tool then when you're 
reflecting on life or big decisions or working out how you feel about a situation. Yeah, or just trying to process how your day was. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I'm a, I know a number of people who struggle with silence. Um, yeah, because you live in our house. <laughs> yeah, well, that that is so true. My goodness, it's a wall of sound in this house from every different room. Um, but I think actually there are people who feel quite frightened by silence. Now, there's an interesting situation here. There, if you do live in a full, busy household, actually silence can be a huge relief because you think, I just need some time by myself. On the other hand, if you live alone, you know, silence can be very difficult because perhaps you would really actively like the company of others or the noise of others. But for me, there's something here, I think, about silence is not just about noise, not just about the absence of noise. It is about that sort of inner stillness that comes, as you said, that posture of intent that slows down and says, I want to kind of tune in a bit, tune in to God. And I wonder what you think the, the barriers to silence are, why people find silence difficult. Well, I think part of the barriers is, is that we do live in a noisy, a noisy world. Yeah. Um, so I think for people who are in that situation, finding the place and space to be quiet and still yeah. is is a difficult. But I think you're also right about you. I think you can have too much silence mm. or too much quiet. Um, and again, if you're in an environment where you're not in, you're not interacting with people regularly enough, I, I don't think again that's healthy or what you know a balanced spirituality would be. So, so there obviously are bar- there are barriers for people, but I think it's about trying to work out what 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 is it that I need um, to to help me find a rhythm where I can be still and aware of what God's saying, um, and I think that that will depend on your circumstances. Yeah, and we'll we'll come in the last little section to to talk about some practical things that can help with silence. I think being frightened of silence is is true. I mean, I did a a crazy five-day silent retreat eight ages ago, um, and by day two, I thought I was going utterly bonkers. Yeah. Because the lack of the lack of being able to talk to anybody, and see, you know, seeing people around, but but everybody being silent and sign languages for passing the salt and all that kind of stuff at meal times. Um, but after three days, you began to then notice that it, it was provoking in you a different sense of what you were hearing and feeling and beginning to think about but I wouldn't want to live my life like that yeah um, so there is there is a there is a barrier sometimes even for being quiet for five ten minutes you sit down and the immediate things that will come in your head are the list of things that you've got to do or the list of things you ought to do oh yeah yeah I, I've I think it might be Sarah actually I've heard her describe describe that noise in your head as the chattering monkeys and um, like you I've had experiences of of going on silent retreats that last several days and I think one of the things I notice is first of all I just get the mad rush of the to-do list sometimes work related sometimes personal and domestic but you know my head just obsessively cycles through I must remember that I should do that why didn't I do that and then there's, there's almost like a second set of voices that come after I've after I've finished obsessively going through my um list of things I must do and that is some of the other voices that creep in. And the, these voices, I think, come before the voice of God. And I would say they are, are 
I've heard people describe them as the tapes that we play internally. And for many of us, they're quite negative voices. They're the things that perhaps we have um, kept with us from childhood. Uh, maybe things that are sort of self-doubt or words of criticism. It could be things that parents said on sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. It could be experiences at school, um, situations, you know, where we've had, uh, yeah, difficult times and people have said things. And I think for me, as I enter into silence, first of all, I have to engage with my own inner madness. And then after that, I'm a bit plagued with some of those voices. And then it's almost as if if you can kind of push through them and that that means actually recognizing those voices and then putting them back in the box putting them to one side and also saying those those things that are said may not be true and then for me it's only after that does the voice of god begin to come um so i think i found that quite a hard thing because i think silence can be very uncomfortable because that is when you do uh, you are anxious you you worry you question yourself um, and like I said I, I don't know many people who when they slow down sort of think hey I'm doing great I'm a brilliant person I'm fantastic I actually think those are the things that God would want to say to us but I think we have to push through the first set of voices um, before we get to yeah, that place and I would I would I would make the link to that between the story of Jesus's temptation in the desert oh you're, so, you're so thank you for bringing it back to the Bible. That is that is genuinely well, good. It's not I mean, even I on our notes. I either. mentioned the church fathers and mothers, the kind of early church, the first and second century, that they deliberately went in the desert, and they were they were following that pattern of the kind of Jesus's uh, wilderness um, time of choosing to go into the desert. Yeah. Uh, led by the Spirit, Jesus went into the desert to pray. So yeah. it was a choice to do that. And in that story, the devil comes and tempts Jesus with different different versions of who Jesus could become. Yeah. So do this and you can be that, do this and you can be that, do this and you can be that. All of which weren't the true person, the true human and uh, divine person that, that Jesus was meant to be. And in a sense, that's what we experience in times of silence. So we will experience, literally, I would say this, literally the voice of the devil. So literally, the voices that come and accuse us. There's, there's another podcast to be done well, here about who, who or what is the devil, but that's for another day, go on that but yes there probably is but i think that sense of what you named then as those voices you yeah. can see as that kind of that kind of negative voice that accusing voice that critical voice yeah and it, it's actually confronting those so i don't even think jesus in that story doesn't put them aside or doesn't kind of just try and ignore them it's actually confronting them and i think one of the hardest parts about our our life with god is that we have to confront some stuff yeah. Um, and um, silence in prayer gives us a space. I think you need other things as well. You need people around you, people to talk to and wisdom to help you. But silence gives you a space of confronting that stuff. And that's why those desert fathers and mothers, those hermits later in the monastic tradition, became the people that others went to see. So they didn't live, live a life of complete solitude. If you wanted to talk through a problem, you, you'd go and see them. Because they would mm. be counted as people who were wise because they spent their time confronting their own demons and wrestling with who they were and, 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 and coming to a realisation yeah. of God in that. So that we silences can be anxious and fearful for a very good reason because actually we will have to confront some stuff. But I think yeah. that's a good thing to do. No, I, I totally agree. And my own experiences of confronting that silence are, are really powerful and 
healing and restorative and, and actually huge relief as well for me that kind of like the silence falls like you say you you confront what's happening inside huge relief to just and that, look at it and that's where the choice between this this sense of choice to be quiet or be silent you we're not we're not being forced to be quiet so that's then an opportunity to talk to someone about that stuff yeah in a trusted relationship or in a, with a spiritual director so it's not it's not that you come up you're aware of these thoughts and then you kind of push them to one side mm. actually that can be the invitation to say do you know what i've just become aware of this issue mm. and i think i need to go and see yeah. someone about it well i did that the you know a, a few months ago when i was incredibly stressed and anxious about work stuff and i realized it was tapping into some of the things i picked up in childhood about approval yeah you know and pushing and school and bullying and all that kind of stuff and i talked to you and said i think i need to go and see someone yeah about that but i'd become aware of that by being quiet and saying to myself what's what's going on here yeah i think the other interesting thing with silence is is there there is fear of looking inside oneself i think some people feel a bit fearful about encountering god actually um, and and I, I've heard people in the past characterise that as almost, I don't want to listen to God in case me, he asks me to do something I don't want to do, like be a vicar. Um, but, but there may be other things that, that people are, are fearful about what God's going to say. And I, and I think, again, in my own experience, I'd say, yeah, sometimes God might say something like, hey, I want you to be a vicar. And you might think, oh, heck, um, that's never happened to me, though. Um, jokes but actually I, I feel like when God speaks into the silence and when I say speaks I've never had a I've never had an experience of hearing God's voice audibly I mean a, a sense that has come over me or, a, or an internal feeling of peace or just a, um, a nudge or a thought that pops into my head but for me when God speaks it's always life-giving by which I mean, um, in the New Testament it says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So I don't believe ever God kind of comes to condemn us in any way or to make us feel bad. So even in the times where God has challenged something, I, I've received that challenge as like a call to life, a call to be more fully human, a call to be more fully who, who I have been created to be. So I think for anybody who's listening to this thinking, yikes, the idea of being silent sounds terrifying and, and what might God say? I'd just say, I think, who do you think God is? What is God like? What What is the nature of God? Because if we believe God is good and um, profoundly loving and generous and gracious, then when he speaks, that that's, what, that's the way he speaks. That's the way he deals with us. Yeah, and it's also... And what I said before, it's also the invitation then to check it out with other people. Yeah. So it's 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 always. I don't think we can hear what God is saying to us exclusively on our own. Yeah. I think it's always in conversation with other people. So it's always an invitation to open a conversation up with someone else. Say, hey, I think I think I'm sensing this. You know, what what, what do you think? And it may be that that surprises you, mm. but it should never it should never make you feel. Uh, it should always. God's interest is in us flourishing. Yeah. And that that might be actually calling us to something that is really hard, yeah. or confronting a situation that's really hard, and not sweeping those things under the carpet. But very rare do I think God asks us to do something which is completely 
contrary to mm. who God has made us to be. Yeah. And actually, as you used the word flourishing, literally as you were speaking at that point, I thought, yeah, in my own experience, when God speaks, it's like a seed that has been planted and it begins to grow. And so, again, when, you know, when I use the language, God spoke to me. Um, I don't think God's ever delivered a whole coherent message all in one go. But um, often it's the beginning of a thought and it just takes root and then it grows. And, and by the time I get to the stage, perhaps of sharing it with others, it's like the little seedling that's got the two leaves. It's got a special name, that little seedling, hasn't it? Begins with D, but I can't remember what it is. Something like that. But, Someone um, will know. Yeah, so I think definitely that idea of seed planting. And, and I'd really encourage people to sort of look back in their own lives and think about times where they might not use the language God spoke to me so they might not feel sufficiently confident, but maybe where they just had a feeling or the situation changed or after that time of prayer they thought it was a good idea too. Because for me, all of that is God speaking and God shaping and God growing. Um, so yeah. just to use that picture that you've invented on the spur of it, yeah. Um, I think silence for me is like the container or the earth. Yeah. It's it's putting that seed into a, into a space where the conditions to grow are there, and the time is like the watering of that and God God's spirit being in that that causes it to flourish. So silence isn't the magical bit. Yeah. Isn't, isn't the profound bit. Silence is just the conditions that we're setting. Yeah. To help God's spirit grow something in us. Yeah that's that's really helpful because actually again it sort of says listen if if you're struggling with silence it doesn't matter because there there are other things other medium into which god can plant that seed and i think that's quite a liberating thing as well you don't it's okay if you're a bit anxious about being silent and you don't want to choose that because there are still plenty of other ways that god can speak sure but try it out just as we're talking I've been thinking about silence being not just the absence of noise, as we said before, but um, I still like going back to that image of the, the of the posture of intent. And I think one of the challenges in the world today is um, is the idea of distractions. And for many people, our phones or our iPads or whatever device you use they can be a huge source of distraction that stop us from being still or being silent or having that kind of inner quiet and, and I guess it's not just you know teenagers that sit in front of the television and scroll constantly through their phones I mean I've sat with my parents um, in their 60s and 70s doing exactly the same thing and there's something about that wall-to-wall news or entertainment or trivia or words with friends slash scrabble or whatever it might be that means we just pack every single moment and I found it quite provocative in the last few years when people have done things during Lent for example where they've done a media blackout and they've come off Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever it may be and they've just stepped back from it and kind of quieted all of those um, all of that external noise mm. but the phrase the devil makes work for idle thumbs <laughs> is way way older than text and scrolling so I think that the um, I get that I do think the distractions you're there. coming out in defense of playing on your phone no I'm coming out in 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 not singling out that media as being the problem. No, I don't think the media is the problem. 
I think the wall-to-wall distraction. So yeah. it's not just about social media. It is about having 24-7 news cycles. Yeah. Actually, in our household, we have the radio on in the background all the time. That's probably a challenge uh, yeah. for us. But just, I, you know what yeah, I mean? It's just I a do. constant distraction to, to stop you kind of really slowing. I, I, th- I think it's a constant distraction to stop us slowing, and that's where the active choice to make periods of silence. Okay. But what I'm saying is we've always had that. And it's actually about human nature. But what I'd say is added around the social media stuff is what you were saying earlier about the voices. Because I think social media isn't just about distracting ourselves. Okay. It's also about the, why have I only had 13 likes for this Twitter post? It was way funnier than that. Mm. You, know, why, why, you know, why hasn't so-and-so texted me back? Why hasn't, you know, I think yeah. it actually feeds into anxiety yeah. in a way that... Um, previous forms of communication might not have but I think actually I would say uh, I mean a lot of work that we've done for the Church of England has been developed I was talking today in in, in with with colleagues at work our downloads of some of our prayer apps yeah. have gone up tenfold um, and we have almost a million people that have been accessing some of our prayers during the day um, on their phones during lockdown so in but, praise of the mobile phone. Yeah. Well, I think it's a tool, and and I, I, it can be used as a tool of distraction. Yeah. But you can also use it as a tool of yeah. um, reflection. Well, uh, so maybe like you say, sometimes in silence, though, those are the moments yeah. where we actually notice that yeah. our use of technology has become problematic. And also putting it down as well. So we're you know putting it literally turning it off can be an active choice to say yeah. I'm going to have a different form of space now. Yeah. Now. Just in terms of the practical aspects of silence, uh, you and I have both mentioned going on silent retreats. That's not necessarily something that's open to everybody. But the first time I had an extended time in silence, I was a bit like, uh, as an activist, uh, what am I meant to do? And I read a book about silence, actually, which was really helpful and kind of it like held my hand into the experience. So that's that's one thing. Um, that people could think about doing is, or as a book about spirituality. I think for me at the moment, when I have a period of silence, I find breathing is, is the key. I'm not particularly good at, at mindfulness, but I find it helpful to concentrate on something um, because otherwise I do completely start going, oh my goodness, it's my niece's birthday next week. I haven't got a present for her. But if I focus on my breathing, it does give me something to concentrate on and then like we do on the Saturday morning meditation at church sometimes I'll use a short kind of phrase from the bible or just a short phrase like come lord jesus um, or lord give me peace something like that and it, it becomes it just soothes and calms I guess that's the phrase mantra isn't it it kind of gives you this rhythm but I think the breathing helps and then and then my body stills as well. That's it's really noticeable. Like my breathing changes. I've done yoga in the past, and so I use the yoga breathing techniques. And I just think about my diaphragm, and the whole thing just settles me and soothes me. Um, and certainly for me, I'm not very good at sitting in a chair because I'm twitchy. So I find lying on the floor actually for me is a better way to enter into silence. Although my hips are a bit dodgy, so that gets more difficult as time goes on. Um, and that's the dog trying to break into our silence, probably, didn't we? Yeah, the dog <laughs> is squealing in the background. You may be hearing that at home. 
And now one of us is actually going to... Nick, I'm going to invite you to talk to yourself about what helps you into silence whilst I go and shout at the children and say, would Who's, you please let the who dog Who let the dog out or please let the dog out? I will do that. In quite, oh, no, one of them's gone. Amazing. That's good. Amazing. Um, I think the thing that helps me... I think there are two things that help me with silence. So I'm similar. Um, one is... I... I write things down. So someone taught me this technique yeah. a long time, a few a few years back, about um, kind of stream of consciousness writing. So don't worry about what you're writing, about your spelling, your punctuation, but just start writing all the stuff and just keep going. Um, and um, six minutes is what they suggest it takes. Now, it, it flies by once you've done it. Um, and then look back and read what you have written uh, and then underline things that seem important to you or highlight things and then spend a bit of time quietly thinking about that. And for me, I find that act of writing that just helps me to calm down. Oh, it's it, a mind dump. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. you just dump what's everything yeah, in Yeah, that's mind. right. Yeah. And just let it go where your mind where your mind goes. So again, it's that factor that I am being quiet there and being I'm being silent, but I'm being active in trying to process my thoughts. Yeah. So that I can then begin to engage with what am I thinking about, what's important, what am I what am I praying about. And also some stuff I've read on my own kind of spirituality says that actually expressing things is often enough for me to actually write down I had a really frustrating work at day to day because da 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 mm. actually gets that out of my system such that I'm in a different place. So you're ready to listen. Yeah, so I'm ready to listen. Yeah. Um, so that's I, I find that a really useful thing to do. Yeah. Um, because because it you know plays plays in my head. The other thing I find quite useful is the is the breathe app on my on my watch. Mm. Um, and and you can use a meditation app or, or just a timer on your phone to set a time of quiet and then you're not worrying about how long am I doing this for um, you know it's not open-ended so to set it for four minutes yeah and then just to sit quietly process your thoughts invite God into your day yeah. or notice where God is in your day and then your buzzer will go and I think it often goes and you go oh my goodness was that, mm. that, that was it was that quick yeah and then you can extend it to six minutes you know yeah. and then as long as you feel feel comfortable with. So I think they're really useful, helpful tools for us. And I know um, some people use the examine as well, which is really a form of structured prayer and reflection at the end of, of a day where you look back and give thanks for all that's happened. But again, it's just a way of, of being still and thinking. So that's something that people might like to Google to find out a bit more about how the examine works. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining me for another conversation on wandering minds as we have uh, rambled theologically through our thoughts on silence and uh, look forward to having a conversation with you again next week one might hope yeah. we do speak to one another before our next podcast not just going to be silent if you give me the silent treatment then i know that that's yeah that's um, true yeah let's avoid the silent the, treatment everybody different. thanks for listening bye, bye.